The Gospel reading, <coughs> reading is from John chapter 12, oh, it's on page uh, 1079, uh, beginning at verse 1. Jesus anointed at Bethany. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She pounded on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As, money, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you not, will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Lord, as we gather in your presence, may we listen to you and hear what you have to say to us today. Amen. Please have a seat. Have you ever been at a gathering of friends or family? Perhaps a meal? Maybe Christmas or a birthday or some kind of celebration where what should be a joyous occasion shared by people who have a lot in common ends up being tense and awkward. Maybe there's some kind of disagreement. Maybe somebody says or does something that annoys you. Maybe someone criticises something you've said or done. And you feel like it's an overreaction. And you suddenly find yourself feeling uncomfortable and trying to defend yourself. Or maybe other people in the group start disagreeing and you don't know how to react. Whether to take sides or to try and calm things down. And whatever you do seems to make things worse. Often in those situations, there's far more going on than just what's been said or done around the dinner table that day. Often it can be a complex combination of things in people's lives that has left them feeling stressed, anxious or vulnerable. And the smallest thing can bring those emotions to the surface. To understand why people behave the way they do, sometimes you need to be able to see the bigger picture. The passage we've just heard from John's Gospel is fascinating. It's only very short, but there's so much going on. In fact, the whole of John's Gospel, the way it's written, would make a great television drama. John is a great storyteller. Of course, the story John is telling is a true story. But with the other Gospels already having been written by the time John recorded his version of events, John is concerned with more than just wanting to present a series of facts. 
He tells the story of Jesus in a way that is intended to reveal the truth behind the detail. He wants us to see the bigger picture. So before we look at today's reading in detail, I think it helps to put the passage in context. A bit like those TV drama series where each episode begins with a recap of what's happened before. Previously in John's Gospel. Chapter 11 began with Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, becoming very ill. His sisters, Mary and Martha, knew that Jesus could heal people. So they sent for him. But there was a problem. Jesus had left the region where Mary, Martha and Lazarus lived in the previous chapter because the religious leaders there had tried to stone him for blasphemy. Jesus and the disciples knew that it would be dangerous for them to return there. But when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he promised that the illness would not end in death. And immediately he... Well, actually, he didn't do anything immediately. He waited for two days. Eventually, he decided to go and see Lazarus. But by the time he arrived, Lazarus had already died and been buried. Mary and Martha came to Jesus in tears, still believing Jesus could have saved Lazarus if only he'd been there in time. Jesus himself was moved to tears. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus went to Mary and Martha, to the tomb, and ordered Lazarus to come out. And he did. Let that sink in for a moment. Lazarus was dead. But by God's power, at Jesus' command, he came back from the dead. Word of this astonishing miracle spread. Jesus had already gained quite a following through his healing and teaching, with some already recognising him as the Messiah the prophets had spoken about. News of his latest miracle generated even more hope and excitement that Jesus was the chosen one, sent by God to bring freedom to the people. Looking ahead to the part of chapter 12 that follows the passage we read today, sorry, spoiler alert for next week, Jesus will soon enter Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and will be welcomed by crowds of people shouting, Hosanna, and welcoming him as king. But danger still lurks in the shadows. Chapter 11 ended with the religious leaders plotting against Jesus. They saw Jesus as a threat, both to stability in the region and to their own authority. As the high priest, Caiaphas was someone you might have expected to speak God's word. Given his apparent blindness to who Jesus was and to what God was doing through Jesus, however, it's perhaps surprising that in this moment, Caiaphas prophesied with great accuracy, if not necessarily with great understanding, that for the good of God's people, Jesus must die. Cue dramatic music. That was the cliffhanger ending at the last chapter of John's Gospel. Which brings us back to today's reading. And in contrast to the extraordinary drama of the miraculous resurrection of Lazarus and the grand political plots of Caiaphas and the religious leaders, we are now presented with a very ordinary domestic scene. A meal. A celebration. A gathering of friends and family. It should be a joyous occasion. A celebration that Lazarus is alive and well again. A celebration that Jesus and the disciples have returned to visit. And a build-up to the Passover celebrations that will be taking place over the next few days. A bit like friends or family returning home or finishing school or work at the start of the Christmas holidays. 
In spite of the dangers he faces, Jesus is safe among friends for the moment. Given all that he is about to face, Jesus must surely have wanted his friends and followers to be united and in harmony with each other at this point. But tensions boil and bubble to the surface. The obvious conflict is between Judas and Mary. But I think it's easy to oversimplify this passage. Mary worships Jesus, and that's good. Judas is obsessed with money, and that's bad. I think that's certainly part of what the passage tells us. But I think there's some more subtle things going on here. And there's something very human about this story that I think can tell us a lot about being followers of Jesus together. Because there are a lot of different people in this story, and I think we can relate to them in different ways. Take Martha, for example. John uses just two words to describe Martha's role in this story. Just two words. But I think we can tell a lot from those two words. Martha served. That's all John tells us about Martha in this passage. Martha served. It calls to mind another story about Mary and Martha from Luke's Gospel. In Luke's story, Jesus was a guest at Martha's house. Martha served, while Mary sat at Jesus' feet. It's possible John and Luke are recalling the same event, but Luke's story appears to take place earlier and seems to be the first time Jesus met Mary and Martha. It's not unreasonable to think Jesus may have enjoyed a meal at their house on more than one occasion. But if this is a different occasion, it appears to be following a familiar pattern. Martha is busy serving, while Mary sits with Jesus. On the first occasion, Luke tells us that Martha became exasperated that her sister was leaving her to do all the work. She wanted Jesus to tell Mary to help her. But Jesus told Martha that Mary had made the right choice to be with him, rather than being distracted by all the chores that needed doing as Martha was. What we take from that passage is a sermon for another time, but I wonder what Mary and Martha took from it. Because here we are again, with Jesus as their guest, and Martha served. But that's a good thing, isn't it? Jesus talked a lot about serving others and putting others first. We refer to Jesus as the servant king, And in the next chapter, sorry, another spoiler alert, we'll see Jesus washing his disciples' feet as an example to them of how they should be willing to serve others. Washing their feet. Hmm. Hold that thought. But I wonder what was going through Martha's mind. Was she paying more attention to Jesus this time? Or was she still distracted by her chores? Was she still frustrated at Mary for not helping her? And if she was already frustrated at Mary for not helping, I wonder what her reaction would have been to what Mary did next. Let's look at that. It's important to recognise just how startling Mary's behaviour was. Mary took some extremely expensive perfume and poured it, undiluted, on Jesus' feet. About half a litre of it. Just think about that for a moment. If you've ever worn perfume or aftershave, think about how much you would use. Have you ever accidentally used a bit too much? (coughs) The smell can be a bit overwhelming, can't it? Mary used about half a litre. Can you imagine? I've got a little bottle of aftershave at home, 100 millilitres. And that's going to last me quite a long time. Half a litre. John tells us that the house was filled with the fragrance. 
I bet it was. And think of the cost. Using half a litre of really expensive perfume in one go. Even by today's standards, that's an expensive gesture. John tells us the perfume was worth a year's wages. The whole thing is startlingly extravagant. But it doesn't end there. Next, Mary wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. To do that, she would have had to let her hair down. There's something in that gesture alone. Think of all those 80s films or shampoo adverts where a woman lets her hair down and then shakes it out in slow motion. (laughs) Obviously, Mary didn't do it in slow motion. It doesn't quite work with my hair either. Um, But you get the picture. There's something striking about that act. It draws attention in a particular way. And then Mary uses her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. That must mean her head being very close to Jesus' feet and her hands gently rubbing his feet. The whole thing is startlingly intimate. What must everyone else in the room have been thinking? I'm sure many of them must have felt awkward and embarrassed. I wouldn't be surprised if none of them knew what to say. In the end, it seems it was Judas who broke the silence, complaining about the waste of money and suggesting that the perfume should have been sold so that the money could be given to the poor. John's reaction to this is really interesting. John immediately points out that Judas's motives were purely selfish. He didn't really care about the poor. He was a liar and a thief. Yeah, Judas is the bad guy. We get it. But don't forget, John was presumably there. Did John know that at the time? Presumably not, because if he did, why would he allow Judas to continue to look after the money bag? So what was John's reaction at the time? Because regardless of his secret motives, Judas had a point, didn't he? Jesus taught a lot about helping the poor and not clinging to material things. Sell all you have and all that, didn't he? Surely Judas was only saying what everyone else was thinking. But just as he'd done in Luke's Gospel when Martha rebuked Mary for her behaviour, Jesus again defends Mary's actions, this time from Judas. Yes, he had taught his disciples to help the poor. But selling this perfume wouldn't solve the problem of poverty. And this particular perfume had been destined for another use. However, what Jesus says about that is interesting. He says, it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. But this is not the day of his burial. In his rebuke to Judas, is there a slight rebuke to Mary too? Yes, she was right to use the perfume on him, but she should have waited until he died. Or was Jesus recognising that, like Caiaphas' words about Jesus needing to die for the good of the people, Mary's actions were surprisingly prophetic? Because as it turns out, spoiler alert again, on the day of Jesus' burial, which was fast approaching, there would not be time for his body to be properly anointed. Mary, whether knowingly or otherwise, was preparing him ahead of time for what was to come. The symbolism is important. The word Messiah or Christ literally means anointed one. The one chosen by God and anointed by a prophet to be king. Mary anointing Jesus was an act of worship, recognising Jesus as her king, in a way that was at once very personal but also Uh, very public. 
Mary shamelessly and unreservedly threw herself at the feet of Jesus, not caring how her actions would be judged by others. And consciously or otherwise, Mary anointing Jesus was a prophetic act, a symbol of what was to come, the death of Jesus. Cue dramatic music and the end of this week's episode. But as the credits roll, I wonder if you might reflect on where you see yourself in that story. Who do you identify with most? Are you like Judas? Okay, no one wants to admit to being like Judas. But forget what you know about what Judas will go on to do for a moment. Look at Judas as he must have appeared to others in that passage. Cautious, pragmatic, trying to manage what resources they had, and trying to do the right thing. But frustrated that Jesus doesn't always do what he expected him to do, and struggling to understand what God's purpose is. Were you like Martha, doing your best to serve others and do the right thing, but too busy to spend time just sitting in the presence of Jesus? Are you like John, a silent witness, watching and observing what Jesus does, taking it all in, ready to share your testimony with others? Or are you like Mary, throwing yourself at the feet of Jesus and worshipping him with everything you have, no matter what the cost? Amen.